2: But I think it's undeniable that it has enjoyed a recrudescence here in the era of Generation Z. What does vibe really mean? It gets used a lot these days, and I think it's more what it doesn't mean. (laughs) Because I think it refers to something that's very, very hard to put your finger on, right? It's the sense of a moment, the sense of a group, the sense uh, of a crowd at a moment, And maybe it's an example of something we're too lazy to try to figure out a longer series of words about. I don't know. We're going to blunder our way through this whole question, as usual, on today's show, coming up after the news. To explain this show, this episode of this show, it's a word in particular whose use I've been noticing for a while. And then what happens, of course, is if you really start noticing something, it's what I call the green Subaru effect, mainly because I own a green Subaru, but I'm sure Daniel Kahneman or somebody has a bunch of fits, your name for it. But once you start thinking about something, then you notice it everywhere. So the word is vibe or vibes. Uh, But I think especially vibe. And it's something that, you know, the young people uh, talk about quite a bit. It might have something to do with the zeitgeist, the time ghost. It might have something to do with the the sense of a particular moment, a sense of a particular place. But really, I shouldn't be trying to figure that out right now because everybody else who's on the show today knows a lot more about it. But I will just say that it's not hard to find people using this particular word a lot these days and in particular, one of our occasional producers, I hope she's, hope she's even more than an occasional producer uh, at some point, and also my former student who's with us right now, Ada Uzenlar, she delighted us and amused us when she produced an episode of the show. And in the outline that she developed for the show, she actually listed for each segment of the show what the vibe of that segment was either going to be or likely to be. So for example, the vibes for the first segment were chill, funny, questioning but a little bit of poking fun (laughs) and and so on so ada is here right now because we thought well we're not going to do a whole show about vibes but but vibe or vibes without uh, having ada kind of introduce it all so as a representative of your entire generation and perhaps a few adjacent (laughs) generations as well you know the way it's used these days i don't know can you kind of put your finger on on what it means yeah hey
0: colin i'm happy to be here Vibes themselves, I think, and again, i'm no I am no expert of of the word vibe of etymology. i'm the only thing I can possibly be an expert in is being a youth at twenty two. and i'm I don't know. there are probably people that are more youthful even that could talk about this as well. I think people oftentimes just use the word vibe when they're trying to explain the feeling that is a little bit unexplainable. So the closest thing that you can talk about is vibe, right? So even in that first example of of our segment A that I produced for the show, Uh, Colin, it was just me trying to say, hey, this is the general feeling that you could be going for. Um, Let me try and describe it, right? Without saying, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be poking fun. You're going to be relaxed because who knows if you actually will be. Here's just kind of what we're aiming for, right? And that's how we define it when we're talking in a group and we're saying, what are the vibes for tonight? The vibe here is off. (laughs) The vibe there is is something is, is kind of trying to describe the indescribable.
2: Wait a minute. Do people actually do that? Do they say, what are the vibes for tonight?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. What's the vibe tonight? Are we chill? Are we going out? Are we relaxing? I literally was just, you know, on the phone with a friend saying, what are the vibes for the weekend? Because are we going to go, you know, to a football game? Or am I going to go do a day trip to New York? That is more so like, what's the plan? But could also be, again, a little bit more loose. I think vibes are just used really loosely, probably.
2: Right. And it does seem like just the way that you're describing it right now, it's also an attempt to bridge from the individual to the communal. Now I'm really being doing a lot of NPR wussy talk here right now, but, but <laughs> just in the sense of, okay, this is how I feel. Do you feel the way that I feel? I mean, if that sounds like the question you're kind of asking and maybe the statement you're kind of making when you use it affirmatively, right? The vibe is, and that mm. means this is the way that I feel about the way that A group of people might feel
0: yeah big time I mean I think that's a huge part of it right a vibe can be so subjective but the reason that I was okay with using it with y'all was because I felt like I kind of understood the dynamics of the Colin McEnroe show team because if I didn't know anything about you you know you were my professor after all um or anything about any of the other producers I probably wouldn't say here are the vibes because that could be totally misconstrued but because I felt like I understood your vibe in the first place, I was okay with saying it. So it definitely does take it from the individual to more so here's the collective, here's how I know that we can understand this feeling together, so I'm gonna use this term.
2: All right, I can't walk out of the studio without asking you what is the vibe of either the show or me or the group, or in other words, what is it that you're referring to?
0: I think in terms of of describing y'all, it's just that you understand each other You get that there is a a type of comedy that, you know, the show uses, a type of cadence, pace. You're all really used to each other. And so I could kind of pick up on that when I came in and I said, okay, okay, okay. I get y'all's vibe. You get what I'm saying?
2: Right. I think probably, you know, the part of the vibe that you might've been missing is he's driving us all crazy. Um,
0: I didn't want to say that on air. You know, (laughs) Colin's insane. He always was, even in class and we're going to roll with
2: it. (laughs) So one of the things that, and I think Lily Tyson pointed this out to you, I I had just noticed in either TechCrunch or Gizmodo or someplace like that that Google Maps, if you look up a new neighborhood, it's going to tell you the vibe in that neighborhood. So let's say the vibe turns out to be that you're going to New York next weekend. Uh, well, if you you know look up, say, I don't know, Hell's Kitchen or something, it's going to tell you the vibe. Uh, what would be your reaction as a representative of your entire generation to something like that?
0: <laughs> as a rep of all of Gen Z, yeah.
2: um,
0: I honestly think that that is kind of a wild take, right? Just because I think it's a perfect example of taking the subjective and trying to move it to the collective, but I'm not sure that actually works because I don't think the folks at Google are necessarily going to be great representatives of everybody to be able to move the feeling into the collective. Okay, so if I'm going to New York, right, and let's say I go to Bushwick and I look up on the map the exact bar or wherever that I'm going to go the vibes that google points out could be you know fun and young and up and coming which is for other people who aren't part of the the google tech collective just another term for gentrification right And that wouldn't be how that feels for them. So I'm not sure that's super successful on Google's end and, you know, nothing against the folks there. I'm sure they're doing their best. But again, you know, it's the subjective into the collective. I don't I don't really know if it would work out, nor do I know if I would take Google's recommendations. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'd probably ask someone who's actually in Bushwick.
2: (laughs) Well, now you're making me think also that or making me wonder whether, in fact, your generation, which has been the laser-like focus of a whole bunch of algorithms and, and data mining and stuff like that. I wonder if Vibe is in some ways a reaction against that. It's kind of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Google and everybody else with their algorithms. Well, there's certain <laughs> things that are so amorphous and subjective, you know, and hard to quantify that, in fact, they, they can't be described the way you describe things. And that's what a Vibe is. Great.
0: No, I like that a lot. I mean... No one likes to be pegged as anything, so to be as vague as possible is completely okay. And maybe that—that's part of the whole question of what's the vibe for tonight or what's the vibe this weekend—is it's the lack of of certainty. You're on your own end, and then you're asking everybody else, and you're saying, "Does everybody else want to go out too, or or are we just trying to be relaxed and and, and watch a movie without saying?" an actual really heavy opinion. Maybe I should be working on my communication when I ask that question.
2: <laughs> no, I think, you know, you're so representative of a particular vibe uh, when you when you when you're saying that. And and I guess that's kind of my last question, too, is that You know, and it's once again difficult to put you in the position of generational spokesperson and and it might not even make any sense here. But I'm just wondering whether this is, I mean, linguistically, it's somewhat specific to Gen Z. But although I just heard Nate Silver use it the other day, so maybe not. So I guess that's actually the next, the penultimate question is, are we already wrecking it? Is it is the fact that you're your incredibly old and uncool former college instructor is having this conversation with you, an indication that the the best has come and gone from the term vibe.
3: Hmm.
0: I don't know about you, Colin, you can talk about anything and I think it's cool, but Nate Silver on the other hand, I'm not as sure. Listen, I think that vibe can, the word of the term, any term for Gen Z has such a quick turnover, right? The trend can come and go within the space of a day or two, truly. Like you can miss any given trend on Twitter if you don't scroll for 12 hours. So whether or not it's over with or wrecked, I I really can't say because one week it'll be in, one week it'll be out. But I I definitely wouldn't blame it on this show, if that makes any sense. Not to give myself brownie points, but I'd love to come back and hang with all of
2: it at some point. So. Uh, no, thank, thanks so much for that. No, I guess I was really more asking, you know, apropos of Bushwick, I, I'm wondering whether it's a neighborhood which by the time certain people get there, the really cool mm. people have gone someplace else.
0: Mm, yeah, possibly. I mean, when everything gets to, to the older folks, and again, I hate using generational terms. That's crazy that, that we're putting me in this box here. But... <laughs> I, you know, once it gets to folks of the of the older age, younger kids have possibly moved on. But then again, might come back in, in like the next week or so, and
2: we'll take it and use it. All right. So I think that sets us up. Uh, Ida Uzenler, thank you so much for joining us once again. Thanks, Colin. I wasn't even going to explain this, but all through the show today, we are using Vibes music, vibraphone music, just to be further annoying. All right, so it's very hard to follow Ada, but if anybody can follow Ada, Ben Zimmer, a linguist, lexicographer, and the Word on the Street columnist for The Wall Street Journal can do it. He's been with us before. Uh, I think, Ben, we we happen to catch you right around a time when you are, in fact, working on a piece about this very topic.
4: Uh, Yeah, that's right. I had been noticing, you know, the rise of its use, all all of this usage of this term vibes. And, you know, my my son, who's 16, he's he's a proud member of Gen, Gen Z. Um, he's also a political junkie. And so he was he will say, well, this candidate had moderate vibes, but that wasn't enough, and, you know, so vibes are everywhere, you know, whether we're talking about the pol- you know, political situation now or, you know, music, the economy, whatever vibes can apply.
2: Right. So, uh, and in fact, Rolling Stone said that uh, the John Fetterman was a vibe. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how, how, <laughs> that, how that incarnation took place. But yes, uh, Kat, this is going to be A2, but uh, here's the aforementioned Nate Silver doing exactly what Ben is talking about, A2. It's
5: kind of the situation where, um, where, you know, the vibes overtook, I
2: think, more rational analysis so so blame the vibes. And I don't know, Ben, I feel as though when the political sector starts talking about this, when, when panel discussions on this week on ABC or something, they start talking about vibes, that might, to the point of the previous conversation, mean the neighborhood isn't so trendy any, anymore linguistically, that this is a term that used to be maybe an insider term for a, a generation that much more stodgy and older people are starting to sling around.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that often happens in the life cycle of a slang term Um, when it when it gets recognition by uh, folks who might not be so hip after all. Then, um, yeah, then that uh, slang term can lose its cachet. We see that happen a lot. But I mean, what's fascinating about vibes is that, of course, it started in the sense that we use it back in the 1960s. It was this countercultural term. That uh, those boomers used back in the 60s. Um, and it's had this sort of cyclical nature. So we're seeing a return to it. Obviously, the meaning has shifted. Uh, you might even call it a vibe shift. Uh, but, um, but, you know, this is, this is a, a term that's been around uh, for a while. And, you know, perhaps it's it's reaching a peak now and is about to fade away again.
2: Right. I, I'm old enough to remember that particular era. And um, one thing that happened then that's not happening now was that vibe also became more of a verb and particularly kind of vibing off something. There was this notion, I think, that, uh, that a vibe was almost kind of infectious in a good way. You could vibe off, you know, some really cool concert you were at or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's been around for a while. Uh, ben, I'm going to uh, play a little sort of uh, voices from the streets. Uh, here we had two interns, Taylor Doyle and uh, Jacob Ginnon, uh, gather up some sound here in Blueback Square in West Hartford. Uh, let's um, have Ben react after we play A1.
3: Now, what does the word
4: vibe mean to you? Vibe, it's like matching someone's energy or atmosphere. So when you when you vibe someone, you click, you know, I got that same energy, that same, uh, you're on the same level, you know, we're on the same plane.
0: Vibe means like a good time, but vibe can also mean like a feeling. Like if somebody has a bad vibe, you're like, ugh. If somebody has a good vibe, you're like, oh, wow. So I think it just means like a feeling, but it can also mean like a good time, depending on the context. I look at it as like energy, you know, like anything that I feel, any type of feelings of vibes, you know, like you can walk into certain areas and be, you know, surrounded by terrible people but still have good vibes I mean it depends on what kind of mood you're in as
4: well so the vibes depend on you you like make the vibe yeah pretty much you make your surroundings you make it
3: good you make it bad if you have a bad attitude it's probably gonna have a bad surrounding if you have a good attitude it's probably gonna be good
4: it's
0: derived from like vibrations like feelings you know like uh what whatever the yeah the energy or the ambiance of the The areas, it could be like um, the vibe of blueback right now is very relaxing. The breeze is nice. The sun is shining.
1: Good vibes.
2: So I guess sort of the question I have, Ben, is, I mean, you listen to all of that and you listen to much of the foregoing and, and you wonder, does this word have a meaning or is it kind of a sloppy kind of Rorschach word that can mean almost anything that anybody using it wants it to mean. I mean, do you feel comfortable that that there is a way of pinning this word down?
4: It's very difficult to pin down. um and, yeah, trying to write, say, a dictionary style definition that encompasses everything that those folks were just saying would would be would be challenging because it is amorphous by its very nature. Um, when people talk about vibes, they might talk about a particular mood energy, uh, style, um, just a, a way that one reacts to a particular person or thing. Um, it is amorphous and vague, but its power actually, I think, kind of derives from that, that it's so applicable to so many different things. Um, and we see that with other words. In fact, the word mood, uh, which is also a popular word online, um, gets gets used uh, in, in this vague way too. And in fact, you can simply say that something is a vibe or is a mood. Or, you know, that that song, for instance, such a vibe and it and um, it can basically connote a lot of things that are hard to pin down, um, but have this general sense of, you know, some some kind of reaction to um, to a person or thing um, that does not actually have, you know, a distinct dictionary style definition, perhaps.
2: Right. And you know, there's a little part of me that thinks uncharitably and and old fartily, you know, this is just they can't be bothered to think up describe what it is. And so they've got this kind of kind of flabby all-purpose kind of term. On the other hand, that's very much the way of language, too, I would think. I mean, it seems to me a lot of the history of the American English language is either coming up with words like that and kind of using them profligately for a while or trying to figure out what the German word is that we don't have. And in this case, I think it is zeitgeist, right? Who the hell knows what zeitgeist really is? (laughs) But it might be pretty close to what vibe is being used for now.
4: Yeah. And it's also fascinating just to look back on that sort of countercultural usage from back in the 1960s when people first started talking about good vibes and bad vibes and that sort of thing. And, you know, in a sense, it was never, you know, never very easy to pin down exactly what people meant by it. Um, you know, vibes. You've been playing great uh, vibraphone music, I've heard. I mean, vibes, It you know, was a, a shortened form for for the vibraphone for that instrument going back to the 1930s. Um And then in the 1960s, it starts showing up in sort of um, underground publications uh, where it's shortened for vibrations. And we start seeing it in like 1966, uh, right around when uh, the Beach Boys put out good vibrations. And so there's this kind of, you know, loosey goosey sense of like, you know, the vibrations that a person or thing can give you and you vibe off of that person and so what we see now I mean it's an extension of that and people are using the noun and the verb in creative ways uh but you know it it in a sense you can see that um continuation from uh the that countercultural usage back in the 60s where again like uh it's it's hard to pin down it refers to a general atmosphere maybe your intuitive sense about something and like intuition um it it seems like you know it should remain kind of uh, hard to pin down, even though it seems that the algorithms now, you mentioned Google Google Maps trying to find neighborhood vibes, and of course, Spotify making playlists to match a particular vibe. Um, we now have sort of algorithmic approaches to vibes. But, you know, I don't think the algorithms will ever quite succeed in something that feels so intuitive and subjective.
2: So you're saying that today, Potter Stewart would have said, I don't know what pornography is, but I know the vibe. Um, And and so then there's a way in which, and and perhaps I'm being a little bit unfair, but I feel as though A word like this, when it has a recrudescence, when it comes into really popular usage, particularly among younger people, there's kind of a lexicographic moment, right, where it's a shiny new object, where suddenly the American Dialect Society, you know, and and whoever else picks up the word of the year. I think Merriam-Webster maybe has one, too. this is It kind of becomes this child who's ushered into the living room where the grownups have been, look at this, look at this, right? And that's kind of happened a bit with Vibe.
4: Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned the American Dialect Society. Uh, I'm chair of the New Words Committee for that uh, for that group. And we uh, do a word of the year selection process every year. And for 2021, Vibe definitely came up in the discussion. In fact, uh, we had a most useful category and Vibe uh, did well, but lost out to hard pants, which, of course, are the pants that you wear when you go to work, uh, you know, you know, post-pandemic or whatever, you're back in the office and you can't wear, uh, you know, stretchy pants anymore. Uh, But vibe was one that a lot of people were talking about as sort of like coming up, um, you know, very prominently in 2021. And we see it, um, there were sort of trend-setting pieces, uh, you know, there was a piece in the cut that kind of Mm -hmm. uh, prominently used this where they're they're talking about the coming vibe shift. It's unclear exactly what that was, but, you know, people had a lot of fun (laughs) with that. People also talk about vibe check, As you know, another popular phrase um, that 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 people use. And so, uh, you know, a word like this is so uh, so useful in that in that it can sort of combine with other words in new ways, you know, creating these new phrases. Um, and get applied to all these different situations.
2: Yeah, and there's you know kind of a Theodore Razak quality to this. You wrote about the how the when a culture counterculture produces something, uh, the dominant culture tries to co-opt it somehow. Uh, and and I'm noticing there is already a, a, a kind of vibe backlash. Um, the editor of Gawker uh, tweeted a list of words that are banned uh, banned words and phrases for uh, Gawker. Uh, the second thing on the list was vibes. So you sort of wonder about that too. That it, whether in fact, uh, well, I mean, and I think Ada kind of pointed this out, that Generation Z turns stuff over pretty fast. Uh, we may not be having any conversation like this in four to six months.
4: That's true. These things uh, move very quickly. And so, you know, uh, there there may be some some new slang term that uh, that we're all talking about, uh, you know, in a few months. Uh, but, you know, I, vibes is, is an interesting one too, just again, because you know it's had this interesting kind of life it didn't just come out of nowhere the fact that that it you know had this usage in the 60s and and we're returning to it and putting a new spin on it um especially you know sort of gen z and the the, the sort of the tiktok generation finding vibes in new ways um it's fascinating again it's just sort of that's you know that's how language evolves and and regenerates itself is by you know taking these bits and pieces from previous generations and putting a new spin on it
2: Ben Zimmer, linguist, lexicographer, and the word on the street columnist for the Wall Street Journal. Thank you for your time, sir.
4: Thanks, always a pleasure.
2: It was a good vibe. All right, Uh, let's uh, take a little break here and we will come back. Could I have some vibes music, please? I feel uh, compelled to make several different musical notes here. First of all, that's Johan Su, Johan Su, who's one of the uh, young women who's kind of suddenly making uh, a name for herself uh, in the jazz world of vibraphone players. This is not a show about vibraphones or about vibes or anything like that, but you can't not deal with that. And I so I picked out all this vibe music and I gave Lily Tyson sort of like the vibraphone equivalent of an ice cream headache, I think, that she listened to so much of it. Um, and I also want to point out, I should have mentioned this to Ben, that one of the ironies of the song Good Vibrations is that Brian Wilson really didn't, I think, think that vibraphones were vibey enough. And so it became one of the very few, you know, rock or pop hits to employ a theremin, uh, you know, an instrument that really does work off of vibrations. Uh, so more, more to come now with Kyle Cheka, contributing writer for The New Yorker, covering technology and culture on the Internet. Uh, Kyle Cheka, welcome to our show.
5: Thanks for having me.
2: So um, one of the places that you looked at at for this whole phenomenon is TikTok. But maybe before we get to that, because so many different efforts are, are made to figure out what this word is, where it comes from. And you dug deep into that question, too. I think you got back as far as the 1920s
5: yeah i think the the very initial usage of vibes was as shorthand for just vibrations and i think where i encountered it was kind of ads for electrical equipment and like record player stabilizers which promised to eliminate vibes (laughs) so uh that was that was quite funny
2: You also, I I thought, did a nice job of rounding up some words from other languages that kind of attempt to do that, right? I will mispronounce some of them. Saudade, the Portuguese word for bittersweet longing. Uh, So uh, the Japanese word iki, an attitude of casually disinterested elegance. The German fernwe, uh, the longing to be somewhere far away. Uh, and then that word I can never pronounce, hygge or whatever, the Danish quality of pretended coziness. Uh, it's cold, but you're actually quite happy and warm and wrapped in something nice. And and those, I, I think, belong in this conversation because they are an attempt to kind of stuff into one word a bunch of kind of hard to otherwise quantify ideas.
5: Yeah, totally. I mean, for me, vibes were always a, a combination of different things. Like they're when different experiences or sensations collide at the same time. So I think all of these words also get at that combination of different things, like, like, saudade, having this bittersweet longing that's like both painful, but also compelling um, and firmware, like a kind of homesickness. There are these contrasting feelings that coexist at the same time. And I think that's what vibe is trying to describe a certain like atmosphere or environment that you can't totally pin down, but you still feel it.
2: So because you are wired into now, uh, you, I'm sure, are aware of uh, what Ben Zimmer was talking about before, which was, you know, a, a much talked about piece in New York Magazine or The Cut uh, about the idea that a vibe sh- a vibe shift was coming. Yes. And it was described like you should maybe go get some jugs of spring water <laughs> and some milk and bread. It was like some kind of weather system that was co- going to come. And, and the way they described it, Kyle, was almost as if it were an independent entity in and of itself that would act upon you as opposed to being <laughs> descriptive of your mood and the mood of people around you.
5: Yes, for sure. It was like this inclement weather pattern. And I think, I mean, that that phrase vibe shift was coined by this trend forecaster, Sean Monaghan and some of his friends. And I think what it really described was this sense of changing tastes, like a a changing paradigm in in what people feel is culturally relevant or cool. So everyone could kind of feel that things were shifting and and what was cool once was not cool now, uh, but no one could kind of get a grasp on on what was happening in the moment. And thus like the vibe shift, the transition itself became its own period of time.
2: Right. And although I, I thought the piece did attempt to describe anyway the maybe post-pandemic sense that or, mm. or, or, or poorly understood sense uh, that we're maybe in a different place and maybe people are going to, uh, between the pandemic and, and incipient climate change, uh, live as though life were short, uh, indulge pleasures while you can, carpe diem, all that kind of stuff, with mm. both a kind of hedonism and fatalism uh, coupled together. And that seems not entirely wrong.
5: I think so. I mean, I think it's kind of proved out if just by the fact that so many more people have been using that phrase vibe shift, like things did did shift. And I think there is this embrace of penalism and nihilism of a sort. Uh, You can kind of see it in the way that that cool kind of beverage culture has moved away from maybe healthy juices toward martinis all day, every day, <laughs> uh, which is just a combination of different alcohol as, uh, as pure hedonism as you can get.
2: So yeah, it's, there's all of that, but he who would understand he or she, or they who would understand this cultural moment must go to TikTok at some point. At some point you must go to TikTok and that's what you did. You went to TikTok <laughs> and, and what did you find there?
5: For sure. I mean, I think I first observed the prevalence of vibes on TikTok. Like I had not used the platform too much in the pandemic, but circa late 2020, early 2021, I started using it. And I noticed all these videos that people were taking that didn't really document anything in particular, but they were kind of a montage of banal sights and sounds like different shots of a living room or shots of a busy street in the rain. And they often had music playing behind them. And to me, those were like vibe videos. <laughs> like they were trying to capture this atmospheric moment. And the point of the video was to capture the vibe. It wasn't to tell a story necessarily. It wasn't to communicate a message. It was just to say like this this atmosphere, this moment is very appealing to me. And then to capture that and distribute it to other people. And I, I loved watching them.
2: Kyle, do you think it was always an attempt to capture uh, the, the sense of the moment or was there something aspirational uh, about it as well. I mean, some of the ones that your piece directed me to, I looked at it and I thought, it's almost as if the maker of this video is saying, wow, if I show my mug and my, my, the view out my window and we, I put some Sufjan Stevens music behind it, you know, I will be describing a place I want to. I mean, a place emotionally mm-hmm. and uh, and and ontologically, uh, a place I want to be in, and then that becomes true because it was on TikTok.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, there some of them are definitely aspirational. Like they kind of are an evolution of those Instagram marble tabletop shots or mood boards where people took a shot of all of their prized possessions, but instead it's capturing the atmosphere of a room or the the elegant food you're making or the drink you're making. Um, So I think in a way it was to show off a little bit, but they are also real scenes. And I think the ones I liked the most were the ones that were kind of ambivalent, not exactly aspirational or fancy, but just kind of a moment in nature or a moment on the street, or even a very strange moment, like looking at the moon over a lake or something. Uh, And they were just more about mood than any specific content.
2: So, you know, one of the sort of fallacies of social media life is the fallacy of, all right, well, I'm just going to put this out there and that's that. You know, I'm just going to put this Mm -hmm. out there and then people will look at it and that's fine. And that's kind of the totality of what happens. And this is going to set up our, our final segment with our final guest a little bit too. But there's also, I think, a reality that, you know, he who can understand vibes or the company that can understand vibes, quantify them, use them, harness them, figure out what's going on in all these TikTok videos, figure out what, how that you know, melds with other kinds of consumer behavior. There are people out he- out there who would want to harness for commercial or other nefarious purposes, this lovely, uh, cloudy idea of the vibe, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't just stop with your TikTok video.
5: No, I think, I think whenever something goes mainstream enough, there's a bunch of companies and marketing agencies who really want to jump in and commodify it. Um, so I think you can see like, a brand, brands have vibes as well, I think, like they are combinations of aesthetics and sounds and ideas. Uh, so you can see some brands kind of adopting the mood board approach or the the vibe approach to what they put out into the world, particularly online. Um, but I, don't, I think vibes, what's special about it or unique is that you can't totally capture it. You can't pin it down. Anyone can participate by looking around them and kind of appreciating what's going on. So I would hope that, that vibes are somehow somewhat uncommodifiable, but that's usually a, a lost hope.
2: At every big company, Kyle, there is somebody trying to nail a blob of Quicksilver to the wall. And right now it might be vibes. So I'm going to say three horrible words to you, Kyle. (laughs) Super Bowl ads. See how often we're told that Lincoln Navigators really fits your vibe, right? And that's when we'll know, presumably, A, that yes, this has happened, but B, probably that the concept is nearly dead. Tie a toe tag on vibes.
3: Yeah, I think
5: so. I mean, the moment that it becomes like semantic satiation, the word vibe suddenly means everything and nothing at the same time. Um, I think we're getting to that point. I think vibe shift definitely put something of a cap on that. Um, But I think despite the word itself being kind of cliche at this point, the idea itself persists and, and will persist forever of just kind of appreciating a mood or an atmosphere rather than the thing itself.
2: I think that is a very beautiful uh, place to stop. Uh, Kyle Cheka is contributing editor for The New Yorker covering technology and culture on the Internet uh, in 2021. Uh, Kyle wrote TikTok and The Vibes Revival. Seek out that piece and other work by Kyle. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Fun. We've got one more segment to go. And I think I may not fully understand all of the work that our final guest has done, because there's like a lot of math. But I think we are gonna take a turn in a very different direction. Have many many people to thank. Uh, starting with Cat uh, Pastor, who's our technical producer. Except that for the Ada part of the show, Katie Jelarski, the big boss, came down and was the technical producer. Uh, Taylor Doyle and Jacob Gannon, you heard, was out. They were out in the streets, the mean streets of Blueback Square. Uh, gathering Sound. Uh, Lily Tyson, the senior producer of the Colin McEnroe Show, is the producer of this episode. And we are excited to welcome to our studios Maya, a student at Communist Martyrs High School in, or no, Communist Martyrs Middle School in Washington, Connecticut. That's still not the name of it, but I don't know the name of it. But we like Maya very much and we may just keep her. You could just take her home to East Rock, Lily. You know, just we'll send a note to her parents uh, and then she'll just stay with us. Uh, all right, so we are. Now on the final segment here, joining us is Robin James, uh, an editor for philosophy and music at uh, Palgrave Macmillan. Uh, you should check out the, the In Her Factory newsletter that Robin James did. Uh, I checked it out, and I realized that there are a number of courses that I probably should have taken in college uh, or paid more attention to when I did <laughs> that would have helped me understand some of, of what's going on here. But, uh, but I, think I, I think I'm sort of ready. Robin James, welcome to our show.
3: Hi, Colin. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: So, you know, I've been kind of alluding to this all along in the show that obviously there's something kind of sweet and innocent uh, about Generation Z and maybe some other adjacent generations using vibes to describe the way an individual mood might feed into a more collective mood or to understand their own intentions or find out what's going on. There's something lovely about the whole thing. But we also know in a digital environment that all kinds of people are watching this and all kinds of entities are watching this. Uh, and so maybe you could talk a little bit about this. I mean, we, we talked about Google attempting to quantify the vibe of neighborhoods uh, on Google map lookups. And obviously, yes, I think somebody talked about how, you know, Spotify does the same thing, try to organize playlists around vibes. But is this going deeper and more finely grained than that?
3: Yeah, yeah. So let me go back to your um, discussion of the vibraphone and vibes as vibrations. Yeah. Um, because there, and I'll preface this the last time I took a math class, Kurt Cobain was alive. So mm-hmm. I'm not really a mathematician, so I'm a humanities PhD. So I'll try to explain this in, in as accessible terms as possible. Yeah, I want to emphasize okay. those two
2: things aren't connected. You did not cause the death of, uh, of Kurt Cobain. No. Sorry, go ahead.
3: <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so uh, if you think about um, demographics, right? Um, normal curves, right? Bell curves, that's a traditional way that we sort of measured people's behavior, right? Like if you think in the history of psychology, right? And that measures behaviors as frequencies, right? Like Mm. a sound frequency. But the math behind today's algorithms doesn't measure things over time. It measures things as profiles or sort of spatial orientations. Does that distinction make sense? I think so. Right. So, yeah. So you're not measuring the frequency of something over time, but you're measuring the orientation of something in space. And the way that works is, so you remember the the person in Blueback Square was talking about how the breeze was blowing and it was sunny out, I do right? So this orientation in space would be you take a collection of data points and sort of plot out the, the line connecting them and that points you in a specific direction. So if you think about what Amazon's recommendation algorithm does, right? It tracks your past purchases and compares them to the past purchases of other people and says, okay, so people with similar purchases to me then did X next, right? Mm -hmm. So they're trying to see the direction that I'm going to go in next. What do I want to buy next? What do I want to listen to next, right? So that's what Spotify and Amazon, or even Google Maps are doing, right? They're sort of collecting a set of data points, figuring out the the relation among them to try to figure out what comes next. It's it's literally a form of profiling, right? If you think about when the FBI profiles someone, they try to gather up all the data they can about like a serial killer to try to predict what the serial killer is gonna do next, right? So that's that's what I think a vibe is. This is definitely what Spotify treats a vibe as in their vibe playlist. But um, what I argue in my own writing is that a vibe is like a pop culture version of this method of algorithmic modeling. It's how we see ourselves the way algorithms see us.
2: That's okay. That's really fascinating. Cause, uh, so let me just do my best to kind of unpack it, that yeah. on my end because I think it goes back to something I was saying to Ada at the very beginning, which is that, you know, to a certain degree, Generation Z and adjacent uh, age people, they, they're aware of a lot of what you're describing. I mean, it's not uppermost mm-hmm. in their minds all the time, but they're aware of what you're describing. And, and it almost seemed as though vibe and vibes were kind of sweet terminologies to say, well, what if they were – ineffable qualities to our lives? What if there were things that really didn't fit into algorithms? Uh, what if they all fell into this somewhat cloudy you know, term called vibe or vibes? Uh, but what you're kind of saying, I think, is good luck with that because, in fact, you're essentially describing something that's already being done but not necessarily for your benefit.
3: Right, exactly. Because all of these algorithms are trying to predict something fuzzy, right? Nobody knows exactly what song I want to listen to next. And nobody knows. I mean, I remember one time my grocery store algorithm told me, you buy a lot of salmon and red wine. Maybe you want to buy some salmon and red wine. I was like, (laughs) you know what? You're right. (laughs) So I didn't even know what I wanted next, but the algorithm did, right? So I think the fuzziness and the amorphousness and the ineffability around vibes is exactly what these algorithms are trying to capture for profit.
2: Right. We had a big debate in the class that I teach about whether or not uh, Alexa is actually listening to us all the time because sometimes I will say something in front of Alexa and then be offered it, you know, two or three hours later uh, in the middle of some kind of online thing. But I I think the truth is that's not what's happening. It's simply that what I'm saying in front of Alexa represents my less than fully conscious understanding of where I am and what I'm doing and what Mm -hmm. I want and what the next thing I want is going to be. That's kind of what you're describing.
3: Yeah, yeah. The, um, and there's even a sense of this in TikTok culture, right? So there's some TikToks that say, if you, you know, congratulations, you've landed in queer techno TikTok, right? It's like the algorithm tells us things about ourselves and our, by tracking our own past behavior that we might not have even sort of registered yet consciously. But right? So that, yeah. that sense that the algorithms get us better than we do is definitely out there in the culture.
2: But that is accompanied, I think, and I think it's there in your work, too, with some kind of yearning to be free and not to be dominated by somebody who understands our behavior better than we better than we understand our behavior. <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that, the notion of free will and freedom? Is it obliterated by the ability of algorithms to understand our vibe, something that we have consciously, a term we've almost consciously used to describe something we don't think can be delineated piece by piece?
3: Yeah. And I would, I would guess I would just say, I think um, the big distinction I would think about here is whether, whether vibe is being used to describe sort of individual preference and um, sort of capitalized on, or whether vibe is something that we do collectively together and not for profit or ownership. I think, so The the individual versus collective, I think is, is the key distinction for me between like, is this, just another form of commercialization or being marketed to, or is this an actually, you know, is it a collective practice that we're doing together in order to try to, um, you know, support everybody's own um, individual flourishing and collective flourishing together?
2: And is that a question that's answered differently under different circumstances?
3: Well, I think... So going back to the history of the term vibe, one thing we didn't talk about was its use in uh, African-American vernacular and Mm -hmm. African-American popular music, right? So DJs for a long time have talked about vibes. There was Vibe Magazine. I think Vibe Magazine is still around, the hip hop publication, right? So there's definitely a sense um, in oppressed communities, especially African-American communities, of vibe as somehow being a sense of belonging or being together or being in community. Um, and I think that's a very different sense of vibe than today, right? Because the whole point of the, the algorithmic math is to be able to sort of individualize and personalize feeds, right? So if we want to talk about the vibe shift, a lot of what that vibe shift article was about was the shift from sort of having a, like a monoculture, right? You know, that here's the norm. Here's the, like the dominant trend in society to a context where now there is no dominant trend. Everybody's just sort of pigeonholed. Down their little uh, personalized algorithmic feeds,
2: right? right? Yeah. So, and 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 to that point, I mean, most of us see a lot of what you're describing as fairly benign in nature. I mean, I I kind of like the fact that title I use title instead of Spotify, but the title says, hey, you know what? I think you're gonna like these next three or four songs. <laughs> when I think, yeah. oh yeah, you know what? Title. Or Carter family or whoever is running things. <laughs> um, I do like yeah. those songs. And so that's nice, right? And they have probably, you know, in a pretty crude – well, not crude, but not in a lovely, humanistic, and nuanced way, kind of figured out what I like, but just – they figured out what I like, and, but that's fine because I want to like more things. I want to have more. I want to have more things that I like. But I feel like with a philosopher at my disposal for the next two or three minutes before the show ends, I want to come back to that question of free will. I mean, really, we wanna be as much in control of our behavior as we can. I think. <laughs> Maybe I'm assuming facts not in evidence there, though
3: yeah um i just would flip it around and rather than thinking about individual freedom i would think about structural inequity right because the same sorts of techniques that spotify or title are using to tell you what you would like to listen to next are being used to decide like who gets parole or not
2: mm-hmm.
3: right so um yeah it is nice to have you know uh my youtube feed supposedly recommend me videos i want even though we now know that the youtube's um suggested videos is like a highway to, you know, right-wing radicalization these days. So I just want to think about how the, you know, the algorithms are built and trained upon data from our racist and sexist and unjust society, right? So I think the the bigger question is less about sort of my own individual control over myself and the way that these algorithms are sort of reinforcing and hiding these long-standing structural inequities.
2: Well, now you're getting real scary and it's getting... Towards Minority Report, right now we've got these yeah. these people lying in tanks of water, and they're saying, you know what, you know what, Harry, uh, these people in the tank of water over here, they've been looking at your vibe, and they're pretty sure you're going to kill somebody, uh, so we're going to arrest you right now. Um, so you, I mean, and obviously that's a sort of an sort of an exaggeration. Nothing is fully an exaggeration anymore, yeah. but that's sort of an exaggeration. But that's. That would be the most you know, disturbing aspect of this. If we can, if somebody can algorithmically quantify something that we think is unquantifiable, they you're saying they may use that to increase their power.
3: They do that today, right, with um, sentencing algorithms that try to predict recidivism rates, yep. right? Will yep. this person predict a crime again? And you just wonder, you know, they're trying this out on incarcerated people now. When are they going to expand it out? Um, you know, to the rest of us. Um, And that's, that's the scary thing, I
2: think. So we're almost done, Robin. But now I'm thinking, I think I see an income opportunity for the two of us where we (laughs) sell people fake vibes, you know, that they can then (laughs) represent as their own vibes in order to achieve less control of themselves by outside influences. I think we could get rich.
3: <laughs> probably.
2: Yeah, people would probably say we were very cynical, though. So it's not worth it. All right, Robin James is editor for Philosophy and Music at Palgrave Macmillan. Thank you so much for talking to me.
3: Thanks for having me. It's been fun.
2: All right. And I hope the whole show's been fun for the people who listened. And now, when the kids, you know, when those whippersnappers like Maya from Communist Martyrs Middle School start talking about vibes, at least you'll know what they're talking about, kind of, except you really won't.